episode number 19 of Behind the Sport. How you doing tonight, Brent? Yeah, good, man. Um, yeah, just really happy, stoked to be online. Uh, talk trophy this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. That's sort of, um, you know, sort of really in line with the, the um, person we're interviewing tonight because sort of talk trophies, the... Um, annual cup for streetcar racing association of wa which for anyone doesn't know streetcar racing is uh any three series logwood car so be it 3j 3d sports sedan production race car um category but with a lot more freedom and rules so if you want to do an engine conversion you want to run a big turbo you want to run a bang box whatever um it's all allowed it's just governed by uh, vehicle weight and and um, wheel width um, so sort of similar to like the, the idea of the time attack rules. Um, and it's been probably one of the longest running perpetual trophies in the, in the country, um, named after um, the talk um, TV show back in the um, 70s, I think it was, uh, long before my time. But yeah, it's, it's the sort of trophy that those legends are made of, like from Ledger back in the day and even prior to that, unloading cars at the top of the hill. Um, and rolling them into the circuit because one of the old rules used to be you had to drive them to the track. Um, nowadays, the cars are pretty much floor pan sports sedans on a radial tyre. Um, so pretty much like the, the Pro Open class from Time Attack, just with a little bit more limited aero to the Time Attack cars. Yes, we um, Yeah, so I'm pretty pretty turned on about the weekend, really. <laughs> of course you are. So uh, tonight's guest is actually... Ian Baker, the CEO of World Time Attack, and he's jumped into the waiting room, so he's going to join us uh, pretty much next. Thanks for joining us uh, tonight, Ian. How are you doing over there? Yeah, good, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad. It's a bit uh, windy and wet and miserable, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, we've got worse. some horrible weather. We've got horrible weather over here too at the moment. So, yeah, good so, time to be indoors. Yeah, absolutely. Good day for ducks and publicans. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I've just uh, looking through your history. Um, you basically started out your uh, motorsport, I guess, career as a fabricator. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and from there, you went on to bigger and better things so what your early days as a fabricator you know what what sort of got you started across to doing motorsport from there so so i'd always had a car thing going on you know and um for right from a teenager and then um i did an apprenticeship as a fitter and turner and then um went on to fabricate for the dairy and nesle and so on and then um it all really started when um i started working with bruce garland back in the early nineties, you know, and, um, and, uh, we were building these things called Metro cabs, which were, we were actually the seventh biggest car manufacturer in Australia at the time. And there was about nine of us working there. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, we sort of, when that fizzled out, me and Bruce just kept on going. And, um, we sort of in the early days of pioneering turbocharging, to be honest with you. Um, so, and Bruce had just come back from rally art Europe and he had a lot of knowledge in his head and I had the ability to manufacture, you know, using high-end materials and so on, which these days, you know, every man his dog can do it. But back in the early 90s, it was pretty thin on the ground, people that could do that. So we sort of carved a niche in that department. The For people that probably don't know, you, you've got a bit of a uh, 
famous history on TV, which was uh, you and the Aussie biker build off back in yeah. 2007. What yeah. was your role in that? Well, I was one of the fabricators. So Steve Stanley uh, is actually, he still works for me at World Time Attack. He's my technical director and he's helped write all the rules. And he, he's basically the policeman at the event every year that goes around and says, that's illegal and that's illegal. And, you know, when people see him coming, they run and hide. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he's, Steve's been a mate of mine for years and um, he put together that TV show and, um, and asked me to be in it. So I, I went and did it. It was a lot of fun. We, we built a motorcycle and um, yeah, had a bit of fun along the way. So which team were you on for that build? I was on his team, Hot Rod Choppers. Oh, yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was looking at a bit of footage and just sort of skimming through trying to find you in the, in the footage, but um, I didn't have much luck. So I'll uh, have to go digging again and see if we can find you. You know, as crazy as it sounds, I think um, like a lot of stuff in Australia, that was a really good concept, but we're a bit late to the scene, you know, like it was all all happened a few years before and America was always a few years ahead of it. And by the time we'd done, by the time we, he, Steve got out that, that, um, that TV show out, it was all sort of on the way, on the way, not on the way up, you know, even Jesse James had gone to start Monster Garage, you know, and, 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 um, you know, and that, that the only thing that really lasted out of the whole thing was the American, American chopper thing, you know? Yeah. Which is more soap opera than it was building. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It always was, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I love that show when it started up and then it just got really stupid and then the yeah, yeah. universe senior buildings, like just get well, back to I mean, bikes, you know? It's it's tailor-made for American television. So, you yeah. know, it, it was what it was and, and, and it probably probably made them a lot of money. So, I, I, you know, but it was certainly a long way from what we were doing out here, that's for sure, you know? <laughs> now, um, for those that haven't seen the show, where'd your bike come um god man that was so long ago that was that was like 15 years ago i, I certainly know that we had the most horsepower on the dyno and, and it was a the deal was it was a sealed engine it was a sealed engine from a company called sns in america a 124 cubic inch engine and the only thing we we're allowed to change was the tune and the exhaust pipes and, and we made these x pipes which is quite common now we basically made the pipes cross over each other and um and yeah, we made the most power um, I think something happened. I can't remember the, at the end of it. Something, something happened on the day of the drag, so we didn't we didn't win that. And but but I, I can't remember where we come. But we certainly made the most power, which was which for, for me that was that was my That's job. The most important though, thing. You know? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the um, after I guess all that you last year was uh, just to sort of jump a bit ahead. Last year was the tenth uh, yeah. anniversary of World Time Attack. So. Going back ten years before that, yeah, probably even further. What what was the inspiration for starting up World Time Attack? Well, to be honest with you, um, it was because I was first of all, I've always had an interest in that Time Attack scene, and I can remember right back to right back to when Auto Salon magazine did did a they did a little event. Um, I forget what it was called now. It was a track battle or something. It was called um, a, a, a at Wakefield Park and no one was allowed to go to it. And I was like, how come you, and everyone wanted to go, it was because it was a magazine thing. It was like, you know, it's built for magazine content, which which actually, when you look at Sukuba Superlap Battle, that's what that is too, you know, it was all built for magazine. Same as um, the American one, it was all for magazine content. It was never done for general public. And and I guess like everyone always said, you know, time attack's not a spectator sport, which which in it nuts and bolts of it, it probably isn't, you know. Um, but, you know, what really inspired me was when we took Mark Berry's car there in 2007 
and we went and raced scuba. And it was right when the, all the all the, ja the Japanese um, pro cars had all just evolved into these crazy aerodynamic cars. And there was a lot of, you know, the this, this side Reva and there's an M Speed GTR and there's all these really cool cars. I'm like, man, this is like dreamboat stuff. If, imagine we could have this shit in Australia. Like, why hasn't anyone done it? And to be honest with you, um, we didn't have, first of all, we didn't have the cars to, to make it that zig, you know, and, and I always, that was always the battle from day one. And in fact, so when I come back here and said, we're going to do this event, um, I couldn't allow Porsches into that event because they would have just wiped, back then, a, a Porsche Carrera Cup car would have wiped the floor with everything, you know, even on those tyres, there was nothing fast enough to, to beat that. So we, the first thing we had to do is go, we can't have them come in because they're just going to steal the show. And, and, you know, you have a factory-built race car and it's going to beat everyone, then no one will ever come back. So so we had to try and inspire everyone to build these cars, you know. The first event was at Oran Park in 08, which was just a national event. And um, and we, we built up a bit of the hype. You've got to remember, it was before, really, the internet was around, but, but there was no social media and there was no... So, so everything was sort of by word of mouth. And um, luckily, I had a lot of contacts through High Octane Racing, which I own. Um, and still do and we sort of just put the world out and said we're going to do a national event I've just come back from Japan and hyped everyone up you know and a lot of the guys that, that, that are still there today were at that first event you know like Mighty Mouse Rob, Rob was driving a CRX um, I can't remember who was driving a, a black one from, or a yellow one maybe it was actually um, and, and Costa was there of course Costa was there in the he had the Bell Garage Evo which is, which is you know that's, that was a predecessor of the one he's got now um, so, so yeah, it was just a, a basic case of hyping it up. And I always thought once we can get the cars fast enough, this is going to be a real spectacle. So until then we had to do stuff around it, you know, so what else can we do? You know, maybe, maybe we'll get some traders here and we'll do a, you know, um, put on a little car show or basically just try and get people involved, you know, and yet sort of, that's where, it, that's where it started. And when you, I guess the, the end of that first event, yeah, what, where was your head at at the end of that event? Oh, absolutely clueless. We'd never even run a track day, mate. So, so we had these ideas, you know, of doing this, but I'd never, ever run a track day. So it was like to well, basically just jumped in the deep end and said, you know, and everyone's going, what do I do here? I've got, I've got absolutely no idea what we do here, but just hang on. I'll go and find someone. <laughs> so I don't think we even had any radios the first time. So it was just, it was real clue. But the thing was, the, the big thing was the atmosphere was killer. Um, and everyone said, this is awesome, man. This is going to take off, you know? So, so the following, you know, like it's the, the first thing was that we had to instill in people's heads, this is going to be awesome, you know? And then, and then, um, so the following year, the, the, I made a mistake of clashing with the formula one. So a lot of people couldn't come. Um, and we had a lot of complaints about it. I, so, so first of all, I had it in, I had it in, um, June the first year, right? And it was cold, so obviously, especially the morning. So we said, you know, in order to get more people, we're going to move it to May. The only, uh, sorry, to, when did we move it to March? Sorry, and the only that was the only available date was the date that clashed with the Grand Prix. So I, I took that date. It was a mistake. So our, but our, we still had good numbers. You know, we had a lot of exciting stuff going on. But then after that happened, after that Oran Park finished, um, we had to move to bigger and better things. So I didn't have any option bar to. So I just knew that we had to get a lot more revenue in. So we had to amp up the size of the show dramatically. Um, and that was going to involve something crazy like bringing cars in from overseas. And that's what we did. So how, how many events in would you have been to this when you finally went, 
yeah, we're, we're going to be able to make this a long-term thing. You know, oh, how many events have we done or how, how many events? Uh, how many events in, like how many events did it take until you sort of went, yeah, this is fantastic. We're well, definitely gonna, look, you know, I was make... never going to give up on it, you see. So it was, ne- it was never a case of how many it took. It was a case of, you know, next year we have to make better than this year. And we'd debrief on what we did wrong. Um, and we'd always look at what we could have done better. And, you know, like, you know, for, for example, the drifting. The, people, the time attack guys are not necessarily big fans of having the drifters there, you know. And the drifters are probably not that big of fans of the time attack guys. Well, it started out like that. But these days, you know, they, I think they kind of all respect each other. And, and it, it brings a bigger crowd and, and it puts on a bigger show. They're all part of a, you know, they're just one cog in the show. So, you know, it's right to the car show. You know, that's, that's a big part of what we do, you know. And to the guys in that car show, this is their big day of the year. So you've got to respect the whole thing, you know, and it's got to be, you know, everyone's got their own taste, you know, and the guy with his wheels out like that, that's what he's into, you know, but you know what, we're going to give you a show that everyone's going to come along and walk around along past your car and go, man, that's cool. Or, that's crazy or whatever. But it's, you know, it's basically we've got something that people can aspire to now, you know, and, and dream to go to. And you can, it's probably created more along the way than what people realize, you know, like this is the show. If, if you're going to build a car that, apart from motor X probably or the summon ads, this is the only other show that you really want to be at, you know, the, to, to, to debut something or to get the exposure for what, you know, accolades for what you've done, you know? Yeah. And it's a whole different sort of genre than the, than the motor X, um, summon that sort of thing as well. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And they're all good mates of mine too. So, yeah. so what, you know, we've, we've all known each other for years and, and, um, respect each other, what we do. And, um, yeah, it's a totally different animal to what we do. It's a, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a you know well both of them are a, a v8 inspired muscle car hot rod spectacular mm. type thing with a few with a few you know jdm cars or euros thrown in amongst it with the opposite right yeah. you know we're a jdm euro inspired event with a few v8s thrown in amongst it so there's room for all of it you know yeah including little v-dubs with the, the boss running around on the back of it <laughs> so that goes so it, that, that's if you, if you know the whole story behind that so my my um my youth years i i i had a fascination with volkswagens and i grew up you know um drag racing volkswagens and and i in the end i had a 1956 oval window with a peripheral port 13b in it and a hollinger transmission and like crazy stuff and so steve muller who runs it out and he's been a mate of mine because they're all his cars so i don't own them and he just lends me one every year. He said, what do you want this year, you know? And, and it's just a bit of fun to cruise around the pitch. It just, it's just colour, really, isn't it, you know? And, oh, yeah. And, and to go and pick, you know, Tarzan needs to go here, so I take him in the combi, you know? And it's just, it's basically, it's all about just putting on the show, really, you know? In the early days of World Time Attack, what were some of the crazier things you would have seen happening, which, you know, maybe you can't do these days because of regulations or... Well, scrutiny. Well, no. So, so, I mean, in the early days, some of the safety of the cars, particularly the overseas cars, was very questionable, you know. Um, but, but the camp, you know, by the way, the rules were written back then, even, even by um, CANS, the regulatory body, you know, that basically that, because it was a sprint event, they didn't even need a roll cage, you know. And these days, Scott McGrath works hand in hand with me. He's been awesome in making these cars safer and you know, the, the, a big future ahead of us. But in the early days, because they didn't need a roll cage, these cars, if you send the roll cage in the Cyber Evo from day one, it was like a, 
it's like a bird aviary, really, you know. That, that's why the car was so fast, because it was so light, you know. But because we didn't, the car didn't need a roll cage, um, you know, we, you could run it with whatever, basically, you know. Um, these days, it would never happen. And again, that becomes a little bit of a disadvantage for the cars these days, because they have to be heavier, because, they, you know, they've got, to have, they've got to have all the proper safety gear. But, you know, you, you've also got to look at how fast they're going now. Like, the side Revo one with a one minute 30, that wouldn't even podium in open class now, you know? So it's come a long way in terms of speed and, and you know, the whole thing really, yeah. And, and, and so we've got to make sure the safety's up to that spec as well, you know? The, have you had so far a favourite year of World Time Attack? <laughs> that's that's someone, something that's um, always asked. I'll, I'll tell you what, there's three, three that really stand out to me. Uh, they've all been good in their own way. There's always been something awesome that's that stood out, you know. Um, but I'd have to say, well, 2010, the first year, was was um, obviously because it's the first year we bought all the overseas cars. So, But the following year after that, we bought all the, the Kiwi drifters over and had the night drift up on the North Circuit. And that was killer. Like That was probably one of the best drift shows we've had. Um, um, in ter- you know, it was the first time Mad Mike had been here and they, he was throwing, you know, 10-foot flames out the back of that RX-7 and, and um, you know, and, and everyone stepped up their game from the first year. Cyber Evo uh, was back and Sierra Sierra was back and, you know, Tilton had lifted their game. So there was a... So 2011 was a, um, was, a, was a really stellar year as well. I can keep going. 2012, Nemo appeared, you know. Um, and once again, there's a whole bunch of controversy associated with that. But it was a game changer, you know. It was, it was, it was the day that... Aerodynamics really became the fore of World Time Attack Challenge, you know, and, and it never went back from that, you know. And then and then you go through from there, you know, um, the the three years that that, that uh, Team Tilton won, you know, that was all big stuff going on there. And then of course 2016 when we bought the Pagani and the first year Sachia come over. Well, actually 2014 before that, the year we bought the 767B over. Um, that was that was like that melted the internet, you know, and because that car was privately owned, it was easier to get than you think, you know. But once we did that, everyone goes, "Oh, you should bring this. You should bring the TSO one O over." And like you're dealing with corporate Japanese, they've got no interest in coming to Australia. Like I don't think Toyota would struggle to get that car here. It's a national icon, and they're not interested in doing that, you know. Everyone says, "Oh, that'll make the show unreal," but you know, car companies aren't in show business. They're in vehicle manufacturing. So, you know, we were very lucky to get that car. And then the Pagani the, the, in 2016, that was another, that was another, you know, lucky thing that happened. And I met the, met the marketing guy from Pagani and, and totally wanted to put two chair in the car. And he loved it. You know, he said, I love this. I will bring the car for you, you know? So they air of that car here, you know? Um, and that was a big show for everyone. It was a, a you know, awesome part of the show. And, and just, you know, I remember bringing that down to the docks and we had all the government, Officials there going, wow, you bought a, I've got on the news, you know, like, you can't buy that sort of publicity. But, but the crazy part about that um, for Bagani was I said, um, I had a guy working for me named Renato that worked, did a lot of work for Ferrari and had a lot of wealthy clients. And I said to him, you know, we could actually help you maybe sell some of these cars, um, you know, put you in touch with potential buyers that could afford to buy them. And they said, no, there's no point. They're all sold. I said, so why did you bring it here then? He goes, oh, because you asked them to. I went, right. Okay. So, you know, crazy things like that have happened, you know. And then to put Suchia in that car, he was like, because he kept saying, what am I driving? What am I driving? And I, 
I said, I don't know, you know. And then when we, he turned up and he had that there, I, I guarantee he thought I was full of shit. I said, you're driving like one of three Hawara BCs in the world, you know, and they're just going to give you the keys and you go out and melt the tyres off it, you know. <laughs> and so he did, you know. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then, um, of course, under Suzuki, you know, seeing him come close year upon year has always been a big thing. He's never quite got there. And then, of course, last year, the big crash, which was... Um, <laughs> Part of that problem, to be honest with you, um, was was he was he was driving on old old not only old tyres tyres that have been trans they were transport tyres, which which you know he made a mistake he said it he goes it was my fault I I stuffed up these cars uh, that's serious now that that's the implications when you do the wrong thing and you put the wrong tyre in a car like that even to practice see what what he was trying to do was bank the tyres so he had more for the event you know and it was. It was, a, it was, I don't think it was even the practice, it was a track day before the practice day from memory. Well, it might have been, it might have been, anyways, practice, whatever it was, and he was trying to use old tyres, but you can't do that with these cars anymore, you know, you've seen the result, it's got to be on fresh rubber, um, or you're, you're risking your life, really, you know, these, these cars are that fast, that's what's going to happen. The Hyundai Drift fan. Yeah. Last year. Yeah, that was cool. How did, how did that come about? Was that something? Well, maybe... so, so um, we had Hyundai involved in a small way the year before. I've known Jeff. So Jeff that was, um, was an engineer at, um, at uh, in performance. I've known him for years. He's been a mate of mine for 20 years. And um, he said, you know, they're interested in, this is their target market. So I went and met with Hyundai and, and, and um, they basically agreed early in the year to have a stand and be involved and, um, do do a, a basically an activation at the event, which is I think is very smart. They what they did is probably one of the most powerful things I've seen any car manufacturer in Australia do to that target market. They made that brand cool, you know. Like it doesn't get like they turned up there a Korean car company, sort of been a bit nerdy, iffy, buddy. They turned up there in a drift van, dude, and they built it. The car manufacturer, like they melt that day, that internet just went off. They were on top ranking on everything and everyone was just going, how cool is this? They're not selling you the drift brand. They're selling you the Hyundai N and guess what? It's suddenly cool. So um, I think what they did and for what it costs with, you know, for a manufacturer, it would have been super cheap, you know, but what they did do though, is they did it without head office knowing. So, so he said, it's going to go one of two ways because the trouble is if you ask for permission, the answer will always be no, because big car companies are so conservative. So they basically did it without seeking commission, but I'm sure they got a big pat on the back because the Korean engineers were out here, like some of the honchos were out here at the event. And, you know, when they seen the reaction, I think a lot of the manufacturers are always adverse to doing stuff like that because if it goes wrong, it looks really bad. But when it goes right, like, look at that, you know? So mm. I reckon someone might've got a big pat on the back and maybe even a pay rise out of that, but that's cool. <laughs> I, I loved having it there. And it was, it, was, um, it was a great part of what we did, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, and even the year before with the um, i30N, and yeah, they're just running street class, and it yeah, well, that, that was Mark Trueno's car actually. Yeah. So, but yeah, he was involved with them, and they, and they supported him. Um, then, then from the exposure they got out of that, like he's got one of the biggest YouTube channels, motoring YouTube channels on the planet. So, I'm sure they got a fair value out of it. And then, I think what they've done then is gone. Yeah, well, you know, we got such value out of that, we're going to do it ourselves next year and and put some money into it. Yeah. And um, we've had we've had interest from manufacturers over the years. I mean, it's going to be tough now because of uh, I think all their budgets are going to be swiped after this pandemic. But we, I reckon, we would have had another manufacturer in there next year, you know, or this year. 
before before the COVID thing hit, you know. But hey, you know, what, what can we do? It's everyone's in the same boat. We just got to roll on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if you didn't end up down the path of World Time Attack, where do you reckon you'd be right now? <laughs> I actually don't know. That's an interesting question. I um. I, I couldn't tell you that. I, possibly, I possibly would have gone overseas, and um, and then I, I did consider doing that and picking up. You know, in America, the opportunities of, for a fabricator were, were huge, particularly in NHRA or NASCAR or something like that. I suspect I may have gone down that road. Um, in Australia, motorsport is you know as much as we're very, very. Um, well, you, they've got a strong supporter base and everything. It's just tiny, really, you know, compared to opportunities. Mm. Europe or America is just another world of that sort of stuff. So I suspect I probably would have gone down that road, but I didn't. So no complaints. No, I don't. I think uh, motorsport fans in Australia are pretty glad that didn't happen. So. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. yeah. yeah it so. certainly would have been a different life doing that, you know, and anyone that I know that's been over there, it's, it is a different life. And, and like any, any of that top-notch stuff that you're working in you know it sounds like what an awesome life but it is a huge commitment as well mm. so this is probably when i say it, it's probably been a shitload more fun doing this you know <laughs> so have you managed to jump into the cars for hot laps and do you have a yeah. favorite, favorite i'm gonna look i'm gonna ask you a favorite but you know what's i'll say what's your top three rides that you've managed to be well on? so i went flat out in a ferrari f40 around there at one of the events with a camera in the car that was, you know, that was my, well, I think it's every boy's dream car, that one, yeah. isn't it, you know? Um, so, so I went flat out with Renato in that car. Um, I've been in, oh, the drift cars are just another level. If you get in one of, one of those pro drifters, like, that is just nut job stuff, you know? It's probably, yeah, a, a ride in one of the drift cars would probably scare you more than anything bar about RP968 or, or, or Murray's car, probably, or, or Tilton, you know, one of those top, top time attack cars. That they, I think, and, and most of them can't carry passengers anyway because they've got fuel cells and whatever else in there. You know, they're, they're, they're really built for that one lap now, you know. So um, what else have I been in? Oh, probably just cruising around in the combi most of the time. It's fun, you know, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, last year... Um... He had one of our West Australian guys over there, J Mac. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So he did he did the um, commentary for us this year. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he had a bit of a run in with uh, I think it was Paulie from um, uh, from Fat Pizza. Or one of those. <laughs> one of from those where Fat Pizza? Yeah, it was. Um, it was. Uh, oh, he? he got the characters. I think I might have got the characters around the wrong way as well. But uh, he uh, he asked he asked about his his character's mum and. It was actually the one of the other actors' mums. Um, really? It was just so yeah. There was, was threats of thonging and all sorts of stuff going on. I didn't even know about that to be honest with you. But but that was interesting how he, he even it, it, um, ended up there. You know, this year I decided um, we're actually trying to get a a, a hypercar from Adelaide over here. Um, and one of the things like the guy's got a bunch of cars and he, he, he like some of these people like that. You, they, they don't, you can't. You're not going to coax them here with money because they, they don't need money. But if you do something charitable, um, they quite often, um, you know, will we'll talk to you about stuff. And so I was going to offer, you know, get, raffle a ride in this hypercar, and then, and I, I, could, I couldn't put it all together. He was going to be out of the country or something. But then I, I spoke to Brabham and said, "Do you guys want to do it?" They went, "Yeah, we'll do that. No, no problem at all." So we got the Starlight Children's Foundation involved. Okay, 
And um, when we're over there, we're at the meeting um, with them and the lady, the lady goes, I'll give you the girl that's going to look after your case. She's done motorsport stuff before, so she understands what you're doing and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she come in there and me and Alan, my marketing guy, was sitting in there and, and she walked in and he goes, she goes, oh, do you guys want a drink? I'll go and get your drink. And she walked out and he goes, man, do you know her? I recognise her from somewhere. And he goes, it's Shazza from Hauser. <laughs> So she actually was. She was <laughs> no shit. This is a real job, right? She was really good to work with too. So, so she she knew Paulie. So she actually invited him there and got him to come there. So, yeah, but yeah, that was a lot of interesting. When you do good things, good things happen. So, yeah, that, that's how that all happened, you know. And so over the moon. Not only so so what happened there. Not only did we raise a bunch of money for them, but we also bought a bunch of like, sick kids and gave them. A, we got I spoke to the catering and got them to help us with some food and we sort of. Um, put a spread on for them. They brought out the kids that were sort of recovering from cancer and gave them, you know, a big day out with all the cool cars and showed them around. It was awesome. So yeah, that's what we did this year. Yeah, fantastic. We've got a we've got an event coming up later this year called Driftability, and oh, yeah. uh, they yep. take take passengers, um, you know, who who definitely never get a chance to do that yep. sort of thing. And you know, the drifters all go various speeds and usually get told by the carers, you know, I'll take it easy, and then you know, the passengers so what? Are in, they're like. Go fast. <laughs> so what was really cool with that as well this year, we had Rob Parsons over from America, the chair slayer, you know, from Hoonigan. Yeah, yeah. And he was driving the R35, right? He's, I don't know if you've met him, he's the coolest dude, man. Like, he just doesn't give a shit that he's got no legs. He's just, get on with it. Let's go, you know? <laughs> so he, um, so when all these kids, some of them were coming in wheelchairs and he's like, hey, how you doing, dudes? And he's rolling around in the wheelchair in the race and they're going, you're driving that car? Yeah, man, I'm driving, you know? So he made all those hand controls and everything himself, like, He's just a really, it's it's really inspiring. So I think to have him there this year as well with those kids, it was just, that was really like killer. Like get on with your life and don't, don't yeah. sit around moping. Just get on with it. Be like him, you know, really inspiring. Yeah. It was, so, our, I love seeing him on the track last year. It was like, yeah, fantastic. And he's not slow, man. He can rip. <laughs> I think he did a, he was only like two or three seconds slower than Cole. You know, he did like a 33 or 34, I reckon. Or maybe, it's, I, I can't remember, it was, it was not slow. It was, it was something that anyone would be proud of doing. And he's got no legs, you know. That's crazy. Um, I'm going to hand you over to Brent now. Uh, so he's going to have a bit of a chat and ask you sure. some of the more nerdier questions usually. And, uh, yeah, no worries. And then, uh, yeah, he'll be back with me a bit later. No worries. No, we could... Um, yeah, so normally if, we, you know, we're talking to a driver, I'll ask about feedback and setup and stuff like that. But, man, I'm just fanboying out on talking to you. So it's cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> so you said it's all about putting on a show. And I think outside of Speedway, um, no other organisers or event organisers say that first about motorsport. Well, you know, so the first thing you've got to think of, right, is that if you just let it run its course, Motorsport is boring. And you can see it. Everyone whinging about it. Time, oh, the Formula One's boring now. Of course it is, because Mercedes have got all the money. They've got the fastest car, and no one can beat them. And, and it just you go out and watch a car drive around and around. So I've always said that, that, um, that the sh people only spend less than 20% of the time at the fence. So what are they going to do for the rest of it? Like, what else do they want to see? If I walk in that gate, what do I want to see? Right? So let's turn it on. How do we get this here? You know, how do we get that there? How do we do? We've had everything from BMX, BMX, you know, stunt guys to Red Bull planes to everything. So that, yeah. so that the whole thing is not. So when you're walking away, you go, man, that was killer. 
And guess what? You tell everyone. So next year, you bring all your mates because you're not going to miss it, you know? Oh, there's and, a, yeah. There's a, so there's that, a sw swag of us from WA that um, sort of pilgrimage over there now every year. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a group of us. Going. I did a trade stand there 2018. Yeah. And it's, um, it's never dead action on the track. So I know there's rules with cams and car recoveries and stuff like that, but there's never, there's burnout cars, drifters, motorbike guys, car show guys. The pits are always packed. It's wicked. All us exhibitors. So yeah. it's, it's got to be, um, you know, we, I've always had this philosophy is it's got to be everything for someone and something for everyone. So even the car show guys that go, you know, ah, oh, not really into drift, but I might go up and watch that and they go, man, these guys are killer. Like, this is just not normal drift. This is like the best in the country and from around the world, you know. And, and I guess also we've built up a little bit of a reputation that with, with guys from around the world, you know, like, um, yeah. you know, Cole from America, he knows he's not going to win, but he just loves coming in and being a part of the event and just being part of the action. And, you know, their thing is they're going to be the fastest R35 in the world. So it works for their brand. Um, and, you know, even guys like Dago, he loves company, you know, the past couple of years we've had clashes with, um, you know, other events. So you're always going to have that problem, but you know, and most of these guys actually, once you get to know them, most of the real good guys are real cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, they want to be a part of it, you know? And that's, what's I think pretty cool about, or unique to time attack as well, compared to like going to a touring car around. Yeah. Um, you don't have it like. Well, time to you can walk past the back of the pits for the best teams in the world, and someone will say good day, or yeah, you know, like it's, you know, when they're under the pump, you don't get in, but most people will talk to you, and you can see everything. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, once again, you know, if if you look at why part, of, I mean, part of the problem with Formula One, and even probably the V8s to a to an extent, and it's not it's not their fault, but there's so much money involved, they just can't let people see what they're doing, and so that takes away a lot of the spectacle. You know, if you can't, we've always said, you know, everyone. I've had all the suggestions. Oh, you should charge extra to get in the pits. No way, man. These are my fans. That's where they go. You're going to start yeah. charging them more now. You're ripping them off. But that's, that's been my concept from the get-go. So, you know, because when we look at the average age and income of our fan, you know, they're not, they're not sitting up there drinking Chardonnay, man. They're walking around the pits. Buying, they're buying their last, spending their last 20 bucks buying one of my shirts. So I kind of respect all that, you know. And that's, I always have to think like that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And it's wicked to hear you put it that way, you know. So you, you've obviously hung out with some of the best names in the world. Um, what's it like? Uh, and anyone that watches your socials knows you, you're always keen and you're always happy and always smiling and, and about having a good time. So what's it really like partying with the big names? You know, especially the Japanese you? guys that don't, you know, the English, that sort of stuff. Before I did this, I didn't know any of them. So, yeah. you know, um, I met Tarzan doing this. So the first year he come out here, you know? Yeah. And um, oh. so the first night we took him out at 4 a.m. You know? Yeah. Oh, he's, um, he is, yeah. He is hilarious. Yeah, he's a good mate now, you know? And um, yeah, we always hang out. I always have, always make a point of catching up with all those guys when I, when I go to Japan, which which I was going to frequently, you know? Um, so yeah, look, at the end of the day, people are human beings and everyone wants to have fun, whether they tell you they do or not. <laughs> so yeah. um, if, 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 if you think about that, you know, then you're probably on the right start to doing things, you know, and like Suchia said to me, you know, when he was here, he said, you know, this is probably one of the best events I've ever been to. And I went, nah, man, you're kidding me. You won Le Mans. He said, yeah, but that's not fun like this. That was serious work, man. I've got like some guy yelling in my ear going, slow down, preserve the tires. You're using too much fuel. He goes, 
I come out here and just threw keys to a Pagani at me and said, go and burn the tires off it, you know? And then, you know, and then, yeah, the whole thing is a different animal really, isn't it? You know? Oh, that's, that's absolutely wicked to hear that. Cause you know, like to win Le Mans, that's the. Yeah. The but pinnacle, but, but any know? of that, any of that stuff, while it might be cool. And I agree with you. I was shocked to hear that, but while it would be serious shit, like it won't be mucking yeah. about like we're doing here. They've got, they got millions and millions of dollars invested in winning that event. If you're the guy that stuffs it up, you're going to be looking for a new job on Monday, you know? So, yeah, and, and it was really good to, you know, Keiichi helped me organise to bring his sprinter over. Well, it's not actually his. It belongs to a workshop, but it's the replica of his old car yeah. over, built by the same guy. And then now to put him in the Bose car, which is Bose 86 is probably the oh, best it's in the world, head. you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it really is, and and he just loves driving that car too because that's his gig, you know. He's a he's the eighty six guy, and you know we bring him out here and put him in the best eighty six in the world, and, and it'll go faster. It's a shame because the past two years it's sort of been you just finished, yeah, yeah. We've just finished the week before, and it's sort of because it's just I mean Bo works a regular job, and he's got a sponsored driving drift, so he's got a lot of obligations, so he can only do so much. Yeah, and um, but this year it would have really you know show them what it could do and um it's a shame we didn't get to do it but anyway that's that's life hopefully next year hey yeah yeah absolutely and speaking of hopefully next year sort of stories what about max max uh oh, I'm always yeah yeah Rito's. Yeah, he's he's yeah yeah he's, he's unreal yeah every, but he's yeah. one guy you don't want to go out drinking with I can tell you. <laughs> yeah well he he's he's um yeah he's he's a bloody good guy and i've been mates with him forever but one year i was um i was uh I could probably say all this. It's not, not that bad. But because yeah. he's mates with um, Score Tracing. So Takamura and him and, and Suzuki, they're all mates, right? So I was going to put them in a room together, share, share a hotel room. He's like, I'll get a thing from Takamura. If I'm going with Max, I'm not coming. Why? He said, I'm not sharing a room with him. He comes home, rips all his clothes off at three o'clock in the morning. And he's just, you know, he's, that, but, he's, he's, but you know what, though? He's a bloody good driver and he's oh, a yeah. bloody good guy. He just loves a good time, you know? So. Oh, yeah. and he's so like, like talking about being approachable at the event. He's man, I chatted to him last time. For he's awesome. Maybe ten minutes, just happy as and yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got a really good setup in um in in um Japan where he teaches a lot of the drivers to drive on his sim. Yeah, actually driven on it. Yeah, so a lot of the guys oh, awesome. go there for for driver coaching if they're going to if they're going to drive at Nurburgring or something. He's got all that on his sim, and he'll go there and coach the guys. They come in from. Uh, Hong Kong or wherever they're going, they go by his place and, and learn to drive the track. Oh, wow. Mm. That's cool. Um, so you've been there from the get-go and with your fabrication background and, and you said some of the, you know, uh, compliance or, or safety stuff probably wasn't there on some of the international cars, which I've seen with some of the drifting stuff. Um, but how did, um, how did you think the Japanese handled the rise of the Australian companies? Because some of our guys are, you know, like you mentioned the um, MCA car, like, just miles ahead. When yeah, so I mean, I'll be honest with you. The only the only team that's got any chance of beating the current crop at the moment would be under Suzuki's current car. Yeah. Um, and it's, it has moved so far. See, over in Japan, you got to remember, you know, really time attack. We've we've pushed that envelope out here, and it started with Nemo. Um, and I think it's made more of a spectacle than anything else. So I'm not complaining about it. But for the Japanese. Um, their, their spirit of time attack really is, you know, full body cars, no tube frame, um, you know, limited aero. Um, but that car's, that car's an open class car now, you know? So, yeah. 
and and the reality is the fans want to see all the crazy stuff. So it's lucky that only Suzuki's kept the thing up. And, and Ando, to a point as well, I don't know, that car might be quicker now, but it, it'd be very tough to beat the current crop of cars um, as they are. But you, under Suzuki would probably... This year he would have had a chance. Like I've seen the data in that car, yeah. and he had a it had a one low one nineteen in it, um, so it would be there. But yeah, the other thing is the investment to go and build a car um, to come here. It's a, a lot of money now, you know. Like those cars, really, if you're paying someone to do it, you know, she's seven figures really. Yeah. Like under does it in himself. Murray does a lot of his stuff himself. But you know, if you're going to pay someone to do that, if you just walk up and said you get, you know, you're looking at a million bucks or more, you know, and then right. you got to develop it. To, yeah. So, you know, and in these these times, that's going to be tough to find that. But, hey, look, at the end of the day, um, we've still got a lot of interest from the existing stuff. So, and, and you know, like, for instance, the, the Time Attack team from um, from um, uh, Sweden is... Uh, yeah, yeah. They're putting a Honda K24 in that Porsche with an Alvin's transaxle and a Honda. Oh, really? So, so they were playing... Yeah, he's doing that now. So he wants a 1,000 horsepower. They've got a billet block. Um, yeah. So, so I wouldn't say... You know, there's still a lot of stuff going on. It's, it's just, I think, to see something evolve from the ground up now. There's, there's a couple of cars. that We had another car from Sweden that looks like very much similar to Tilton's Evo. Um, oh, awesome. That, that may come up. But, yeah, out of Japan will be tricky, I think, because it's, um, yeah, it's, it's gone so far now that to jump in at this level is, um, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, we had, um, I did trade stand next to the Swedish guys at uh, 2018 and, had snaps yeah. with them to celebrate, like everyone was having snaps. It was, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it was yeah. pretty good. Oh, that would have been um, Swiss. Wasn't oh, the or? Swiss. Sorry. Uh, the yeah. guy with the crazy big mohawk was there supporting them with oh, the Finland. No, that's Finland, Finland. Sorry, the Finnish Finland, guys yeah, with yeah, the Thor yeah. engine and the yeah, those yeah, guys. So, yeah, so once again, that once that sorted too. Who knows? Like, there's still <clears> a lot of there's still a lot of stuff going on around the world, and you we may get someone from someone we've never even heard of. It'll turn up and 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 be right up there. I don't know, you know, but yeah. It's, um, yeah, take every year as it comes. And my big thing is I hope, and I, I'm sure we will, under Suzuki's got a new shell for his car because it, it was yeah. that badly damaged. Um, the, the good news is to remanufacture a lot of stuff, um, well, we know we're near as hard as building it the first time. He's got all the moulds for everything and so on. So, you know, he said he could have been here this year, but he's actually glad that we're not running because he's got another year to sort it out properly, you know. So, yeah, watch, watch this space. He'll be back. Awesome. But, um, but before that, we've got to remember, the borders are closed. You know? Yeah. So, and the way they're taught, it may not even be next year. I don't know. But there's, there's, I've got no say over the stuff we can't control. All we can do is try and, you know, hope it's all going to sort itself out and we're ready to go. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got a question about that in a minute and, and I'll jump into that. But this is, I've got another question around the difference between the Japanese and the Australians or the other countries and Australians um, from, from a mate of mine. So, you've got to ask this. So, um, so you think the biggest difference in the tuning is they're more based, they're more looking at a production car and the constraints you have because you're in a production car, whereas the open guys, the Australian fabricators are just going all out. And is that um, why they tend to struggle a little bit? Or Well, first of all, um, there's, a, there's a big culture difference to start with. Um, in Australia, um, you, can, you can go down the end of any suburb and go, yeah, Joe blogs down there, he can make your old cage and the bloke over there, he can make you that. This bloke makes turbo manifolds and the guy over there will make your dump pipe and that guy will wire in your computer and over there, it's not like that. To try and get someone to manufacture stuff is almost impossible. That's why HKS make all, like companies like HKS, they make all these complete kits. It's got to have every nut, bolt, washer, instructions, everything so the mechanic can just bolt it off. So 
there's a big culture difference. And New Zealand is even more embraced in the manufacture it yourself deal, you know? And I think, you know, when the Japanese, so, so no disrespect to the Japanese, they make some cool stuff, but let me tell you, Australia, um, right from our ECUs to the gear transmissions, Hollinger, Albans, yeah. they're all like some of the best in the world, you know? PVG, it's all out, it's a, a lot of it's here, bullet, bullet manufacturing, you know, billet cylinder blocks, like, the Japanese yeah. have never seen anything like that, you know? So, yeah. so I think, and part of that's because of the evolution of what we've done here and also what um, Colin and Ray have done with the, um, with the drag racing here. That's also helped push a lot of that along um, because once again, sport compact drag racing, you, mm. if you start talking about that, the fastest cars, where are they? They're in Puerto Rico or Australia, you know? Or there might yeah. be a couple in America for sure. Um, but, but by and large, you know, you probably find that Australia would have a large percentage of them. I'm speaking out of school because I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing, looking at yeah. the Jamboree, um, and Puerto Rico, which is a tiny little country, you know, but... Yep, and a hand, handful from New Zealand because it was... That's right, yeah, yeah. And, and, it won, and they're probably the fastest they are. Well, they are Rod Harvey, look, you know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> when they do it, they go all out too, you know. So, yep. and there's a lot of good drivers from New Zealand too. Don't ever underestimate that, like Earl Bamba, yeah. for instance. Oh, ben Gisburg, yeah. You yeah. Know? Scott McLaughlin, the list goes yeah. on, you know. So... The big thing is, um, when is it coming back? Uh, crystal ball stuff, and is Yokohama Advance still really keen on it? You know, is it still the the marquee there? So Yokohama will always be with me, right? Yeah. Um, Yokohama Australia, particularly um, Japan. Yes, I've had a lot of mates over in Japan. The trouble is, they move all the people around over there. Um, Japan were very worried about the safety of the vehicles, you know, but we've sort of We've gone through that with them and we've gone through how we're managing um, the tyres and, you know, every, everyone says, I'll oh, go to a slick tyre. It's not as easy as doing that, you know. Um, the reality is, if you're going to, first of all, these are the rules that we've got. You know, everyone says, you're making too much downforce. Well, that's, you're making too much downforce, not me. You know? yeah. You're the guy designing it. So you've got to make it safe, not me. I can give you the guide, guidelines to make the car safe. But, you know, you can't go and put four tonne of downforce on it because you think that's what you need to win and then blow the tyres. That's you doing that, not me. So, but the good news is the top, all the top teams, that would be a concern except for the people that are involved at the top level. Um, and, you know, guys like Sam, Sam and the PR team and, you know, Barry with Murray Coote, and all, they all know all this stuff. So, so while they've got people like that involved and we make sure that I want to know who's the engineer on the team. I want to know his qualifications. I know what you're doing in your safety plan with these tyres, right? And and you're not going to run them. The bit tire pressure is the big one, you know. So um, so we, we we did a whole, you know, we did a revised safety um, tire review this year regarding that. But to change to a slick tire, you know, it's easy to say that, but you change into it, you totally re-engineer the near in the car to start with. And yeah. and speaking to Yokohama, the slick is no stronger. Unless you go to a unless you go to an LMP style tire, which none of these cars will fit. And then and the, so the LMP tire is, is designed to withstand more force over time as well. So there's a lot more so to it. In a what, sprint, no good. Well, it's, it's not so much in a sprint, no good. It's just, just the fact that it's designed to do a totally different job. Um, so, and, and they won't fit on any of these cars. You have to, it's, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to make that tire fit. So, and, and I had a meeting, like we've, we bought in PR, we bought in, I bought, flew under Suzuki and Murray Kurt all, and we sat around the table at the Yokohama tire. And, you know, safety is paramount. We can't have what happened to Suzuki happening. If, if it's a tyre failure, then we need to really look at something 
big here, but there was a reason that tyre failed and we're all aware of that. And, you know, we've got to make sure that we're following safety protocols and, um, and I'm confident we, we could do that now, no problem. Um, but, but Yokohama Japan, we're obviously concerned about what we're doing. Um, and, and I think you'll find that no matter what, everyone says, just get someone to make a tyre, no manufacturer will do it. No. They're not interested. This, they, they, once they manufacture a tyre for, for that, even for that, just for that event, they're then carrying the risk. So, so it needs to be managed at this end and saying, guys, you know, you need to be in control of the thing. Tyre failures are a part of motorsport. They, they have been like, you know, you've seen, you know, what, what happened to the, the tyre in, um, what happened to the tyre in Hamilton's car? It blew out, you know. It's been happening since the day of motorsport. It's going to happen to the day motorsport finishes if it finishes, but we've just got to manage our side of things with the safety and I'm confident we got it now, you know, in terms of, it's as safe as it's ever going to be. Um, we're going to put, you know, we're going to monitoring tyre pressures, running a minimum base pressure, checking heat. And the big thing is, I'll tell you this now, you, you're going to hear it first. Our plan was to run in the evening. So we're going to run oh. on the light. Hang on. Here you go. Hang on. I just, someone's trying to call me. I had to get rid of it. No, that's right, so, man. Mic drop. Yeah. So, so by running at night, right? Um, we'd eliminate a lot of a lot of the a lot of the problem is with to do with heat, not not to do with. Um, everyone thinks it's, it's overloading the tire. Like if you look at what happened to Tilton's car, right? That was a front 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 left or front right, um, and and it totally delaminated. It didn't. It didn't. It was a pressure blow. It'll be. Um, it'll be a bead edge separation. Right, if it's from overloading through thing, but it yeah. wasn't. It's, it's simply getting too high. He did two laps on that, and they knew they shouldn't. Right, what happened? He got he got held up by what I think one of the Porsche or something. He didn't see him in the rear vision mirror on his hot lap, so he went to try and do another one, running out of time. You know, that's but Garth knew that's the risk. But Garth said it to me. He goes, mate, I took the risk. I shouldn't have done the second lap. Sorry, you know. Um, but of course, what happens there? Because it's on a live stream with three million people watching it. Um, <laughs> Everyone goes, oh, the tyre, you need to change the slicks and all that stuff. That's that's not going to work, you know. And I think they're going to have the same problem. In fact, slicks could actually be worse, to be honest with you, um, because you will be able to go around again and again. They won't – those days they are – They'll get better guys, and better. Well, they won't get – they may not get better and better, but they won't get – they won't go off like the yeah. AO50. So the tyre – so your lap time could actually stay up there and then, you know, you're just getting the tyre hotter and hotter, you know. And that's where that much bigger – that much bigger LMP1 tire. That's why it's got so much. It's got so much more air in it. That, it's not so much the, what it's made out of or the construction. It's the, the amount of air that's in it. You know, they're like that. The sidewalls yeah. are like that, and that's what it is to give it the air to keep it all cool. Ah, well, that. But I'm no tire engineer. I'm just telling no, you what no. I've been told. But that, yeah. Well, that segued straight into the question I was going to ask. What you know, the tire safety that was a big thing last year, and I like how you put it that um, it's getting the guys to think more outside of what's the craziest shit I can build. More to us, how do I manage a race event? Which well, is what you know, I've sat out with for years. So, so Matt Johnson is a real good mate of mine. He's he was from Yokohama, USA, right? And he's he's working in Super GT in Japan now. And I had dinner with him was over the last time. And he said to me, he goes, "That's the tire. Build it to the tire. Don't overload the tire." And I thought, that's my sentiment exactly. You know, like yeah. you guys have got to try and win safely. You can't just keep, you know, putting more downforce on it. The thing, the lucky thing is now is that um, I think by putting any more downforce, they're going to start going slower anyway because they're going to have too much drag. And so, therefore, that that thing of just keeping more downforce on is over, I think. 
it's going to be more about now how do we get similar downforce with less drag. Um, and if we run into the evening under lights, which why wouldn't you do that, you know, um, um, we're going to eliminate a lot of the heat problem. I think you'll find because the track temperature, you know, at that time of year, it's so unpredictable. You know, we've had 37 hmm. degrees ambient. And we've had um, in 2017, we had 37 yeah. degrees ambient. So, and then, and then the next day can be 17. It's a change of seasons. So it's very unpredictable. But I think by eliminating the heat, we're going to eliminate a lot of the problems. So with running into the evening, uh, will drifting still stay part of the event? Because that was always the Absolutely. evening. No, show drifting thing. will always be a part of the event. Um, awesome. Again, I'm probably giving away a lot more than I should, but I think the, yeah, it's pretty obvious that we do that anyway. Like anyone that, yeah. that would seen it at night, why would you not run at night? Um, and we'd run drifting. So we'd probably start the event at midday and run drifting from a 12 from twelve till three. And then and then the flying 500 all of a sudden start time attack at four o'clock into yeah, the dusk, you, you know. Um, which will, which will make, and I'll tell you, it's a lot. Um, Sydney Motorsport Park's an awesome venue, but yeah. on a on a hottish day, it can be quite unpleasant because there's not a lot of shade there. So, I think you know, if we start with the drift, which is always exciting anyway, and then um, and then roll into the time attack in the evening with a the pro, the shootout right at the end before the podium, you know, it's going to be a, you know, it'll be a. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, I, I can't say too much about, but I know a lot more about what's going on out there. There's a lot more than just the lights in terms of what's going to make the production of the show so much better. Yeah. Like this will become a, an amazing thing to watch under lights. You know, yeah. you've got a lot of other stuff going under there on there that, that, that you're going to be able to see. I, I can't talk about because it's not my business to talk about, but the, it's the, the ability to produce a, a, a world-class show will just be moved up a notch. Awesome. Yeah. Well, the V8s there the other week, um, they looked good under lights. Turn one looks wicked under lights. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what everyone wants yeah. to see. So I think so. And you know, our cars, you know, even even compared to them, like our cars are sparks and really oh, glowing flames and wastegates and yeah, all so the cool shit. It'll be another level, yeah. But but over and above that, some of the infrastructure they're putting in out there, you'll see, which will be will just make the whole thing look. You look at this and go, wow, man, this is like, yeah, you know, this is like the best yeah. in the world, yeah. So, oh, awesome. So, um, a couple of other questions that that mates have sent that uh, you know love the event and make the pilgrimage every year from over here. Yep. What's your most memorable podium? Oh, that's an awkward one. Well, I'll tell you, there's a couple. Um, a couple. The the one one would have to be um, one would have to be when when it went right down to the wire with I think it was I was uh, it was um, Walden Suzuki and Van Gisbergen. I think that was 2014. Yeah. Like and that was like that was like when any so, so part of the thing is forget forget what the most memorable is. That was one of the most memorable endings because all yeah. three of the cars could have won. Um, yeah. So I think that was definitely a highlight. Um, and, ooh, well, Costa Widen 3 is awesome. Well, even, yeah. even that, the, the, another one that went right down to the wire was 2011 with the Cyber Evo and Sierra Sierra, you know, yeah. where they were like only... So, so anything, one, once you get that type of thing going on, you got to show like nothing else because it's it's a nail body, you know, and that's what the crowds want to see, and oh, that's yeah. what builds the excitement, you know. So we've always been, you know, you, you can't you can't write rules in such a way that it's gonna you're gonna stop someone spending more money than the other guy, or whatever. Because once you start putting budget, that's that's bullshit, you know. You can't. Yeah. But what you can do is make it so that you know, so that even the guy that hasn't got quite as much money, if he's got the smarts and a really good driver, he could be up there too. So. And I think time attack's always been like that to a degree. Yeah. No, absolutely, definitely. It takes 
um, it's not just the machine, it's the skill. Yeah, there's a lot to it, you know. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, and even like even in the open class now, they're, they're you know, they're doing sub GT level times on street tyres. And, um, and what's cool as well is seeing sometimes like a guy like Matt Longinus, who hasn't won yet, but he's a totally amateur driver and he's quick, man. And he, yeah, you know, he's, he, he builds the car, and he, you know, he builds it, he drives it, it's his passion. And, um, you know, and, and right through it, you know, like um, Z from JDM Yard, that Honda, you know, I wish they come yeah. back. That's cool. Even BYP Racing, they've been stalwart to the thing. I yeah. think what happens though, as a, as a um, sometimes, well, BYP focus more on the Cosmering class because that's their, that's their that's um, client base, you know. Um, but uh, hopefully one day that, that other, uh, the new, the, the um, Integral will come back because that's a really cool car. Yeah, absolutely. There's some, yeah, it's cool. Um, so, following on from that same sort of thing, and, and you've mentioned it, what's your favourite Time Attack race car and or favourite car in general that you've brought over? Because you brought some really cool stuff over to Australia for the event, not just, you know, you mentioned the 787V, uh, Mad Mike's cars, et cetera, but in general. Look, that's a really... Uh... I don't know. I, I, I don't favour anything. You know, I look at each thing on its merits and go, you know, every year, you know, we've got to get Sierra Sierra here. We need the side rebound because that's what, it, that's what everyone wants to see, those cars against each other, you know. And we need a rotary, so we'll get pan speed, you know. So um, there, there'd never really be one favourite because I think, I think without all of them, it's shit, you know. Yeah. So, so there's no, no one real... Um, I mean, I wish that HKS had made that car compete, but I know why they didn't because they're a publicly listed company and they don't race for fun. They don't race for our entertainment. They race to dominate something regardless how they've got to do it so they can sell more parts. It's not about time attack for them. So I respect all that too, but it would have been good to see that 86 actually compete, you know. Yeah. Um, aside from that, mm, well, I'd love to see Under Suzuki win one day because he's tried so hard, you know. Um, and that's got to be one of my favourite cars, surely. Like, how yeah. can you know he's he's a he is a true privateer and he is you know he's building the car himself i've been there you know he's there at four in the morning screwing all the in there he makes the carbon fiber himself so i guess if i had to pick one it'd have to be him there you go and that's man to be honest under under's car is probably one of the more uh fanboy yeah, culture well, type cars as well you know like he's just got such a massive base for that reason well, well he wouldn't have we we I'm not blowing my own trump. We helped create that because when he was when he was initially doing it, you know, he was just racing around Sakura. He was just a hobby, but he was still quick. I think he was still 55. And I went and told him, you know, went and turned up there, and um, and I said, you know, I want to bring you to Australia, you know. And he's like, man, I can't afford to do that, you know. I said, no, no, I'm going to bring your car there, you know. I, yeah. Oh, you're kidding me, you know. I said, no, I'm not kidding. You. I'm going to bring your car there. Wow. And I said, he said, but I can't even afford the tyres. I said, don't worry, I'll sort the tyres out for you. We'll get you sorted, right? I'm going to bring you, get you to Australia. So then he thought he was sponsored by Yokohama. <laughs> so he drove up and said, I need some tyres. I'm going, that doesn't work like that. I can yeah. work out some tyres to get you here when you're here, but I can't. Anyway, but but the, he was the first. The, Yokohama have never sponsored a privateer like that before, ever. They only, you know, they're one of the most respected tyre companies in the world. They only sponsor professionals. But we swung that through a mate of mine at Yokohama Tyre, and he was... He come here every year, you know. Um, the new guys have never been here, so with that relationship, Furutani was helping cement this. And he was, you know, he was a he was a tuner himself. He had an '86, and you know, he had all the HKS parts on it. So I guess when you get someone like that, it's over and beyond a job. And they actually did make the tire for it. They did make the two nine five tire for time attack racing for WTAC. Yeah, because we requested it. And that wouldn't happen today, you know. Well, but again, that's, that's just what happened. 
that's awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose because outside of time attack, you know, like improved production, nine inch rim max on the bigger cars, I suppose there's no room for a 295 to be there. Um, sports well, sedans are on a. Yeah. Just, just so you know, they've had a truckload more tyre failures in IPRA than we've ever oh, had. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yep. it's that argument is null and void. Um, it's not null and void, it's something we take care of about managing, but you're never going to stop tyre failures, as simple as that, yeah. you know? Um, I, I like the comment you made earlier on that um, you do good, good things happen, sort of um, anyone that's, that knows me, that's sort of the mantra we have over here, the, the couple of good guys I hang out with, Az and, and uh, Andrew over in the West. Yep. Um, uh, that's sort of us, just be you know. Yep, don't, leave uh, that. that's got to stay in there. By yeah, <laughs> Shane's probably going to blurt that one out, but you just got to be good. If you yep. just be good and generally just don't be a Douche, it's don't be a everything dick. Will be, don't, yeah, everything will be we'll right. Put that on the next stickers. Don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I'm just stoked that you're just about that. Um, are you going to come over to Perth to hang out? Um, the um, KYP guys have been doing the local time attack series stuff. Um, good the guy tunes my car. Dirty Easterners are allowed in, mate. <laughs> oh, we, you just have to stay in a hotel for two weeks, which I'm pretty sure would, apart from a valerian hangover, it wouldn't be too hard. Mate, I can't, I can't stay in a house for a day. Look, that's not going to be forever. They're, surely they're going to open the boards up. So, look, I wouldn't be there this year, but I'd love... I've never been to Perth, so if I'm invited over there, I'd love to come over. And I yeah, know is. Tarzan told me he went over there for the time oh. tag over there. Yeah, yeah. He told me he went there, yeah. Yeah, he told me... Yeah, with Moti's oil, yeah, he told me that yeah. when I was there. Oh, hilarious. So, I got, yeah. I got second in the second tier at that one with that. But he's just hilarious. Hilarious event. Oh, he's a lunatic. Yeah, so, you see that flag he's got on there? Yeah, right? that's like really bad. They, he shouldn't have a lot of the older yeah. companies would just because that's like their battle flag, you know. And he's like, yeah. It needs oh to yeah, shit, you know. Well, and just you know the the signatory the signatory has fast. yeah, like crazy who fast. yeah, like who would write that as a professional, you know? Yeah, like yeah. It's, uh, but it's you good. know, I, I got to tell you, Tarzan's helped me a lot over the years. He's well respected, and you know, once we got him here, and he won, like it was a big deal for him, and and. See, the time attack events in Japan, although they got bigger now, they're not, they're still a little event. They're not, they have a lot of cool cars, but nothing like what we do in terms yeah. of, in terms of, you know, public and show and, you know, everything around that. So I guess when he come here, he was just, they were just, they're in shock and awe almost like, especially when they get mobbed, like autographs, because in Japan, people just walk past them, you know, because it's, it's just yeah. Tarzan, you know, but over here, it's like, can you throw him a car? Can you sign? So the, the Sutria, we actually had to have security around. Yeah. Um, but in the end, I worked out it was better rather than having some big, uh, big Maori stand next to him. I got two of the promo girls to be security guards, right? So yeah. everywhere they went, excuse me, and they just pushed the guys out of the way. Excuse me, we're coming through, you know. So, so that was pretty cool. No, wicked. Oh, well, hopefully you get to come over the west. I can't wait to make it to the next event whenever it is. Post all this COVID stuff, we will well, be there. Well, I mean, look at the end of the day, sure. we're, we're always about it. But the big thing you've got to understand is that I can't do half an event, and we yeah. couldn't jeopardise what we build up. You know, if it's not right, I won't run it. Yeah, I'll so wait that, till it is right because, yeah. you know, there, there is a possibility that, you know, I, I don't know. It's got to feel right. Even if the, you might be able to do a national thing. I don't know. I haven't, look, at the end of the day, I've got to wait till this sort of settles down. Um, I was going to go and meet with the government um, in July and I've just chose, there's no point going there. What are we going to talk about? You know, how that Melbourne yeah. stuffed the whole thing for everyone or, you know, it's, it's sort yeah, of. Well, I um, think, um, yeah, that day when the, um, you know, you sort of broke the internet 
with the, with the decision and anyone that was into the event for the right reasons was pro and could see it or anyone with a business sense or ran a business got it. Um, and, and I think, you know, looking at what Melbourne's done to us now, you've, you well, know, well, the big thing for me, I'll, I'll tell you, and everyone asked me the question, how did you do it so early? The big thing for me was I was in constant communication with my shipping agent, right? And he said to me, he said, mate, he goes, I think very carefully about doing that event this year. He said, you're going to have a problem with shipping. He said, I can't even get any containers. They're all stuck in China, right? He said, the shipping rates are going to go up. Um, and I reckon the borders are going to close. And this, this was in March, he told me that. Yeah. And, and he was damn right. And, and I, I had a couple of other, but more research I did, and they're going to close the borders. And I said, well, we can't. Imagine, imagine once you start the ball rolling, you're spending people's money, right? You, you, you start, you know, you, you've got things in process. So once you start spending the money, you've got an obligation to deliver, you know? So yeah. I just decided, no, nah, I'm not, this year, I'm not, I'm not comfortable doing it. I actually went and met with Glenn, the uh, CEO at ARDC. Said to me, he said the same to me, he goes, you know, our contract, there's no out clause in that. He goes, I'm being brutally honest with you, that, you know, once you sign it, that's, that's, and that's fair enough. They're a venue. They've got to make a living. He said, you got to be here or you got to pay the bill. And I said, he goes, so I'd advise you to think about it. I said, I don't need to think about it, but I've already made the decision. We're going to sit out this year and see what happens. And, 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 you know, as it turns out, it was very much the right decision because you simply wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to do it now. Like you'd be limited. What are they limited to a hundred people or something? You forget it. So, and you won't be, you wouldn't even be a car to come here. You've got to go in two weeks isolation. So look, this isn't going to be here forever. Um, and we just got to wait till till it does blow over, and we can get back on the get back on the horse, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. We, we we're we're very lucky over here in WA. We're racing. We've had a couple of state rounds. We've got everything going on, but yeah, yep. we just can't. We're itching to get back in the state rounds. Well, even I mean, even um, John Boston run that Oz time attack at Wakefield the yep. other week. But you know, poor guys are preparing their car from Melbourne. Suddenly they can't come. Yeah. You know, so it's really awkward to, I think, you know, we've never, we've never lived through these conditions before. No one has. So it's new to everyone. No one likes it, um, including me. But, you know, at the time, it is what it is at the moment. We just got to get through it and come out the other end, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. So, but in answer to your question, yes, Yokohama will always be there and always doing World Time Attack. And we are personally, I'm good to go. There's a heap of interest. We just need the conditions to be right so we can so we can get all the ducks lined up and roll again, you know? Awesome. Oh, I can't wait. We'll, we'll be there for sure. Yep. And I'll, I'll drag Shane over to see if he can drag him away from the Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and look, I was supposed to be there last year, but something came up and, yeah, didn't end up there. But well, that, the good, we, we always said, don't worry, you can come next year, but we, we can't yeah. say that this year because <laughs> there isn't any, you know? Absolutely. Look, um... I think uh, Brent's pretty much done with his questions. So, yep. Oh, um, I can keep going, but I, man, I'll leave that for the next the next party at the Rock. That's all right, man. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, just the one would always love to ask our guests is if um, you know if the team owner or track or whatever, if at your event you could have any driver from any era, any discipline of motorsport. To come down and set a set a hot lap at your event, who do you reckon you'd want? Oh, Ed and Senna for sure. Yep, <laughs> that'd be without question because he's he's like my hero of motorsport, so that would be without question him. Yeah. Any any particular car? Oh, the uh, the MP44. Yep, the 1988 car. 
Yeah. So I, I've actually got a piston and a connecting rod on my wall out of that car. Yeah. Yep. Wow. True story. And uh, do you want to hear how I got it? Yeah. I was in a in a in a um in a workshop in a rice paddy in Japan, and and we're sitting there, and I'm like, this guy's just working on old Skyline stuff. He's an older bloke, you know. And my mate goes, "That's an old Formula One engine over there." I went over and look. I said, "It is too, man. That's out of a that's out of a McLaren Honda F1, you know." Anyway, I went over and I, I was talking to the guy, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah. I was number two mechanic for Ayrton Senna. I worked for Honda, Honda Racing." I went, "No shit. Like this guy's about sixty odd, you know." So, and I was just like, "That just swept me off my feet, you know." And anyway, we're talking to him, and then before I left, he came and he goes, "Here for you." And he gave me a piston and connecting rod out of Ed and Senna's engine. So I went, you're shitting me, man. I've been offered a lot of money for it, but I could never sell that. So I got it all mounted up on my wall and a model of the car. And yeah, so. Hmm. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I guess yeah, last week was, um, was uh, Mark Sutton. And his brother, uh, Keith, was actually Ed and Senna's first official photographer. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And then, uh, and then Mark sort of uh, got a lot of the iconic photos um, of Ayrton, especially the last ones uh, the day after Roland Ratzenberger's death. Um, oh, really? They, he passed as well. And it was just after the driver's briefing and Schumacher and him were in the same frame. Yep. And, uh, yeah, obviously looking like they don't want to race, but, of course, they didn't. What happened, happened. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting now to have two linking guests, you know, from opposite ends of, of the world. Yeah. Know, completely different uh, spectrum. But I... I tell you now, I don't think I'd be the only person to say that. If you said to a lot of people, if you could have anyone from any era and that you get, yeah. he would be, he would probably be yeah. the favourite for everyone. I would think, you know. Yeah, most a lot of people. Most anyway. of the guests, yeah, have said yeah. that's that's who they, yeah. who they'd want. You know, is yeah. and Senna. Um, yeah, it's, if if not their first one, it's their second one. So yeah, yeah. So so, so one of the other things that we did discuss, like, I don't know how. So um, I actually did speak. With Red Bull about bringing um, about bringing over um, uh, Sebastian Loeb's Peugeot, Pike's Peak Peugeot. Sebastian, oh, actually wow. owns that. yeah, he actually owns that car now. And, and so he bought it off Peugeot, so he's got it. And yeah. you know, I never say never. It's lost a little bit of its zing because it's not the reigning champion now, like the Volkswagen's beat it. And the other thing is too, it doesn't apply to our rules. He's sponsored by Mission. There's all these things, and you know he. We actually did have communication with him, um, but he was like, well, if I'm going to go all that way, I want to compete. Well, you know, you can't really, it doesn't comply. It's yeah. a tube fact. Um, but I'd never say never. And maybe that might, that's one thing that may be on the cars one day. If we can, <clears throat> a lot of these guys are so busy as well. Like Sebastian would have a bunch of commitments, you know, he's a, yeah, he's, he's a rock star in the motorsport world, yeah. even though he may not be rallying now, whatever, but he's, um, he's, uh, he'd have a lot of, commitments on his life and trying to get all the ducks to line up but that was something we were looking at maybe one day and it may still happen one day i'm not saying it will but that was that was a cool car that would have been cool to get here and have him here and you know that's the sort of stuff we look at you know um and even that Volkswagen, i, I really also wanted the, the that porsche was something we looked at you know but again um they're a manufacturer and that 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 was that whole top lap setting thing was run by the marketing they said, we need to do this, we need to go here, we're going to go there. Australia wasn't even... And I think if they were going to come to Australia, they would have gone to the 12-hour, to be honest with you, yeah. so, because it's more aligned with their market. But, you know, stuff like that. There's, there's stuff out there all the time. Uh, the biggest problem with a lot of those old race cars now, like the 767B and all that stuff, is they're just worth so much money, you know, that 
that just to, and guys, you know, are reluctant to race them, you know, a lot of them, because, you know, in 2012, we had the guy that owned the Winfield GDR belling around it at, at Eastern Creek, you know. Now that car's insured for three million bucks. So they're not going to do that. But, so it becomes a bit of a complex issue of trying to get good content, um, not just for me, but, I mean, Goodwood will get away with it because he's Lord March, you know. Yeah. Um, but trying to get, and, and also because a lot of that stuff's based in Europe, so to get it to England is a, is a, it's not a big deal, but to put something like that on a car to a, on a boat to Australia, they're just not interested. And then you go air freighted, let's well, 60,000 bucks each way, probably from depending on what it is, you know, and how big the crate's got to be. So Australia's tricky because of that, because we're a remote island, you know? So, but anyway, look, we, we never give up. We're always looking for cool stuff. And I think the big thing now to be start to, uh, the big thing for me is to be able to run at night. That's going to be enough of a spectacle yeah. on its own. We don't really need to worry too much about, about all the fluff, like I call it, you know? So last question for you. Over the years, you've obviously worked with some uh, pretty cool people and amazing people. Yep. And, um, you know, we like to give the opportunity for our guests to sort of give a bit of a mention to them about yep. some of their, their standout supporters. So go nuts. Give us a list. Who's, who's looked after you over the years and worked? Um, when you say what, sponsors or, or just people? No, anyone. Or... anyone. Yes, anyone so, so um, in drivers, like, everyone that's driven for Murray Coote has been awesome. You know, like, right back to Earl Bamber. He's the coolest dude, you know. Shane Van Gisbergen, top bloke, you know. Um, um, Tim Slade, I've, known, I've, I've actually known Tim since he was a kid because I, I know his dad very well. Um, and, 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 and last year... Um, uh, look, well, everyone that's driven for Murray has been awesome. Um, um, anyone professional, you know, like Mad Mike's a real pleasure to deal with. You deal with his wife, Tony, you know, but they just, they just there's no bullshit. It's just, that's what you want to do, bang, 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 you know. But if you forget one thing, you know, Tony around and go, Baker, where's our breakfast? Fair enough. I said I'd get breakfast. That's when you're dealing with professional people. That's what happens, you know. That's, um, they're, they're so onto it. And that's, that's how Mike is where he is, you know. Um, in terms of... Um, supporters over the years. Well, you know, a lot of those guys that were there at my very first Super Lab are still here. Raw Purple every year, GCG Turbo every year, Haltech every year. And I think, you know, to some degree, um, that's what sponsorship should be because I'm sure they've done well out of what we've done for them, you know, and that's that's a win-win situation, you know, where, of course, they want to come back next year because they did so well out of last year. So what are we going to do next year to help them get better, you know? Um, Garrett Turbo Chargers, um, I could go on and on, you know, if you walk around the pits and people go, a lot of it's the same people every year because they come back every year, you know, and that's, that's why it sells out, you know. Um, I guess for us looking for new stuff, the year we did the, we did the, we did the, um, the game with, um, and we had the Sony PlayStation activation there. It was pretty cool, you know. Um, look, there's so many people that helped me over the years, like right back to Nathan, still works for me at High Octane, and Inga Whitman, and, you know, yep. um, Linda and Dan Mackey and Warren Sarah in New Zealand. I could just keep going on. It's, <laughs> I, I, you know what? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. from New Zealand originally, so that's oh, right, okay. where I started started drifting there before moving over here. But yeah, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, Brenda, Brendan's been a bit with me, and Brendan have got a good relationship, and I go over there, and have, you know, I always, you know, um, it's always cool bringing Kiwis over here because the Aussie Kiwi rivalry is, oh, yeah. you know, it's bitter on the track. We're all mates at the pub, so. Um, and I, I think the, 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 you know, it goes right back to the Anzac days, I guess, that Aussies and Kiwis will always have that, you know, yeah. buggy you bloody Aussies and buggy you Kiwis, but we've got a camaraderie there. It's pretty cool, you know? Oh, yeah. And the Kiwis yeah. have got some of the coolest shit, you know, like even bring it, the year I bought Rod Millen over, we bought over that little Escort, you know? That, yeah. 
that just is that car is killer, you know. Oh, how, I, how how good is the rebuild on this old the four wheel drive RX seven? They just oh, that yeah, yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, awesome yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's all well. You know, New Zealand because of how isolated you guys are, you've always been able to make the coolest shit, you know. So, and I've always admired Kiwi fabricators, you know, every right back to, you know, I used to know Rob from Rips and I go, hey, and then I met Avon that worked for him. I'm going, yeah, you're the guy, you know, you can dig those dimes, you know, <laughs> so it's pretty cool. No, how wicked, man. Fantastic. Well, look, um, we'll wrap it up for tonight. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, definitely looking forward to uh, seeing Time Attack Under Lights. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say next year. Um, well, and... look, we, we say next year. I can't. Yeah. The biggest thing is people are saying to me, can you guarantee it's going to be on next year? I'm going, how can you guarantee anything in this condition? Yeah, you know? can't. But it will be on, what I'll say to you, it'll be on at the first available. Right? Yeah. 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 So if we're going to wait two years, then we're going to wait two years, but it will be first available. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, look, again, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, I'm sure we could chat for hours and hours on end. Sure. Um, but we've got to remember the attention span of uh, people these days isn't that great. Um, I'm surprised you kept me here for this. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Awesome. Been well, great. No worries. Yeah, thanks for that. And, uh, yeah, so that was Ian Baker, Mr. World Time Attack. Uh, make sure you go check out his Instagram for some pretty cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, obviously we'll have all the links in that. So, again, Ian, thank you very much. And we'll catch up with you again soon. See you at thanks, the track. Champ. Cheers, buddy. Uh, well, get another fantastic guest. Um, again, someone else we could have probably spent hours chatting to, but uh, yeah, you've got to remember that uh, yeah, not everyone can listen to two hours of us dribbling crap. Um, how do you how do you enjoy that, Brent? Oh man, total fanboy. Like supercars, amazing. The, the stories behind the guys are all genuine, real people. Um, I think it's just. World Time Attack, it's the cars that I grew up idolising, the GDRs, the really fast Hondas, the Evos coming in later in the piece. That's the stuff that, you know, made me want to keep racing in the category I race. And I really enjoy door-to-door racing. And it wasn't until I went to Time Attack and saw that next level, that it can be at that next level, that I really got excited about Time Attack. Um, having the trade stand there and seeing an event, being able to be a part of an event like that, just, yeah. And... To hear it, like I said, it and talking to him, but to hear a, a um, event organizer talk about the show and the spectators and, and being able to be sustainable that way, the only other people that look at motorsport like that are speedway guys, you know, sprint car guys that, you know, they always talk about the show. It's the show first before anything else. And I think that is um, what you've got to sell if you want to make big events. Like they draw supercar beating crowds to World mm. Time Attack. For yeah, drifting, for contact cars, for burnouts, you know, for something that's not what the elitists call a normal motorsport, you know, like, yeah. Hmm. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, this has been episode 19. Uh, the guest tonight was Ian Baker from World Time Attack. Um, yeah, thoroughly looking forward to the next event. A couple of little exclusives dropped in the chat, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, pretty cool story about how he got the Ayrton Senna uh, piston. Oh, that was that was cool. I just messaged a mate just just then to say you've got to listen to this bit. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> that 
that's just cool. And just to hear how, like, you know, we've had so many cool people on so far um, and, and how the stories are all from people from a, a professional photographer that had 50 odd blokes working for him in F1 and how these stories sort of mix them together from different parts of the industry and around the globe. Like that's just, yeah, oh, pretty cool. that's got to turn you on. Does a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, episode 19 of Behind the Sport, done, dusted. Uh, next week, we are going go-karting uh, for the uh, King of the Hill uh, championship that's happening over here in Western Australia. Uh, On so the a, 22nd, I think. Yep, yep. yep. So, uh, yeah, next week, we're going to have a bit of a chat with some go-karters. And uh, then we're going to do a bit of a live, or not a live, I should say, a... Uh, on on location piece for um king of the hill so awesome. which will be in a couple of weeks later so yeah uh thanks a lot catch us later um uh, subscribe and stuff please